Hello, this is Tom Williams, and you are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's Interview Podcast. The n- new season is starting out with a, with a great play, Frost Nixon. And I am honored to have the two stars of the show, Andrew Carter, who plays David Frost, and Terry Hamilton, who plays Richard Nixon. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, how are you? Hi, Tom. Thanks for having us. Okay. Andrew, tell us now uh, how you prepared to play David Frost, who some of our younger audiences may not know is still alive. He's a talk show host in, in England and I think still Australia. And uh, he got one of the coup interviews that everyone was going with, with Richard Nixon three years after he had to resign the presidency. How do you prepare for a role like that? Well, uh, this is the first time I've ever gotten to play uh, an actual person, a real life person. So that was a a fun challenge to begin with. Um, And I started just by reading books. There's um, a a few biographies, a few autobiographies, and then of course uh, David Frost wrote a book all about the interviews um, about a year after the interviews came out. Oh, I didn't know that. Came out. Okay. Yeah. So I started by doing that kind of research, um, learning more about his childhood, his growing up, how he got into show business, um, and um, and then eventually, you know, the events that led up to um, engaging Nixon in these interviews. Okay. Did you uh, watch any of his interviews on YouTube? Or Absolutely. Um, thankfully, you know, that material is readily available. So um, I, of course, watched the actual interviews, the, the Frost-Nixon interviews, um, are available on DVD yes. and yes. They're on, there's clips online. And then... Um, I also watched a number of clips of David's talk show talk shows from uh, New York, from London. Um, those clips are available online. So, and and that was really important for me in learning how to capture Frost at the beginning of the play when he is um, sort of this showy talk show host. Um, he sort of moves away from that as he gets deeper and deeper into the interviews. Yeah, he does, and. Uh I thought you had him down real well. Again, without crossing that line of of parroting him or imitating him. Yeah, well, the important thing for me was to um, honor him and honor what who he is as a person and what he achieved, but also to bring myself into the character and make it a theatrical and you know try and make it an engaging How would you feel character. if he came in to see the show? I would be thrilled and <laughs> scared out of my pants. Um, I would love that. He you know well, you I never mean, know. That, you know some sometimes they do come in. Uh, we'll see about that. All right, Terry, <laughs> when you walked on stage as Richard Nixon, it was scary. <laughs> to all those of us who lived through that, it says, oh, my God, this guy's come back. And, and Good. It, I'm glad you were scared. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so it really. I. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us how you prepared to play one of the one of the you know, one of the most mm. famous and often imitated yeah. uh, characters. That was, um, you know, I, I grew up uh, seeing David Fry and Rich Little do Nixon right. and so on and so forth. And that was exactly what I didn't want to do. Um, I went as close to the source as I could, which meant reading his uh, memoirs. That was the very first thing I did uh, because I wanted to kind of get his point of view and see where where his head was and how he was uh, seeing his own life. Um, I uh, listened and watched the the, uh, Frost interviews 
over and over and over and over again, um, listening a lot to his voice, trying to get uh, his voice down. That was very, very important to me. And you really did. It, it was scary. Thank you. Yeah. I, I started remembering some of the exact quotes, particularly in the last mm-hmm. interview. Right. Yeah. yeah. Some very famous quotes there. Um and then uh, I, I watched uh, several documentaries, basically to see what he was like physically, um, and to uh, watch his gestures and how he walked, and so on and so forth. Again, you had you had him down the body. You had the little the little hunchback. Thank you. And yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of grew up with Richard Nixon. You know, I was yeah. born in 1953, so he was already vice president at that time. So he was, you know, a part of my life uh, until he died, basically. And, uh, I mean, I vividly, I was 21 years old when he resigned. I vividly remember watching the uh, Senate hearings, the Watergate hearings, uh, watching his resignation. Um, I was a young kind of uh, radical artist at the time, and, uh, you know, he was very... symbolized everything that at the time that I, I was uh, against. And uh, so it's very interesting coming back, you know, 37 years later. So you related to, uh, you related to the uh, Jim Reston role. I did. Yeah. I, I did. I did. Um, what's interesting is coming back years and years later, I probably know more about him now than I certainly did then. Um, and kind of appreciating him in a different sort of light, uh, trying to see him more analytically and... Uh, uh, as a whole human being rather than just a symbol of uh, of the establishment. Yeah, and that's part of the writing, too, uh, that mm. I thought was good. Both characters uh, were developed so that, that you went beyond the characters of Nixon. You had those scenes where, like, he... He kind of flirted with David Frost's girlfriend. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And uh, well, that's the thing. I mean, they cared more. They cared a lot more about money than than a lot of people thought. Yes. Yeah. At the the initial thing when they were doing the deal. Right? Yes, most definitely. Yeah, he was definitely into the money. Um, I think that's one reason why he did it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you got good material and a and a great role like that, uh, uh, it's it's exactly what an actor is looking for. So now. Uh, Andrew, you got to tell us how it is to work with this guy. Now, this year, you've, you've worked together before in some shows, right? Yeah, this is our fourth show together. Um, all of them have been at Timeline. Uh, all of them I have used a British accent. <laughs> it's, yeah, I know. Now, Terry and I first worked together uh, on This Happy Breed in 2005. One of my all-time favorite shows. That, that's one of Timeline's best shows too we still talk about it um you know that that cast still gets together and and is in touch we just had a great time and i um i was a young actor at that time i'm still a young actor but um i remember very clearly forming a very special bond with terry um I was playing the neighbor in that show, yeah, and he was playing the father of of the of the main household, and he really was a father figure to me in a lot of ways, and we just connected in a in a unique way, and yeah. just just we just had fun. Well, you together. guys have such a uh, building relationship in this in this this show, yeah, because the early part of the show, I mean, we get glimpses of Nixon, but the early part of the show is really your bio. In a lot of ways, yeah, yeah. you see a lot more. Uh, I think in in this show, uh, Frost gets a lot more uh, chances to to go one on one with different people. You see him with his girlfriend. You see him with his producer, and then later you see him with Nixon. So he never thought of himself as a journalist, really, did? He? I actually, I th- I think there's a lot of. Uh, 
the play can be misleading in that sense because I think that he really he was a very ambitious man and yes. he had a um, tremendous business acumen. Um, and, and he, he was an entrepreneur. I mean, he had his yeah. finger in like 900 projects. That's exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. So I think that the play, for the sake of you know um, the theatricality of it, uh, shapes him out to be a little bit lighter in the beginning, so that he has somewhere to go uh, in the end. But in, in in reality, he was a very sharp, you know, entrepreneur. Why do you think he surrounded himself with uh, with his three advisors? I think. It's very important. Uh, I think his three advisors and the girl. Okay. I, you can't exclude the girl yeah. because I think she's really crucial to the story in the sense that um, he has this great idea. He knows what he he knows what he wants to get. He know, I think he knows the finished product, but he's not entirely sure how to get there. And I think that for as savvy and uh, smart as he is, he also knows that he can't do it alone. And so he has to surround himself with people that are going to do a lot of the work for him that he's and ultimately maybe, they did. Yeah. yeah. And ultimately they do do that. And do you then, think he misjudged Nixon? I think that, yeah, I, I think that he probably didn't quite know what he was getting himself into when he started this. And, but, and Terry, tell us, uh, 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 from the point of view, you got in Nixon's head, mm-hmm. uh, he just did. He think it was just a lightweight. He was a lightweight guy, and the, that especially after the first couple interviews where you did those twenty-minute uh, yes answers, where you just it was just apologizing for everything you did. And, yes, yeah. you know uh, uh, they say in the play as well. You know that um, nobody had really been able to prove anything or pin Nixon down in any way. Um, and and a lot of the major journalists were kind of afraid of him, right? Or, yes. Or, yeah, or they yeah. didn't want to pay him or for whatever reason. Right. You think I mean, they the would Mike, have jumped the, on him. The Mike Wallace uh, offer was on the table, uh, but uh, he was told by his advisors that, one, he could probably get more money with Frost. Two, it would probably be a better chance for him to look better. Yeah, he uh, wanted the res- That was his thing. He wanted to... Uh, Exonerate himself. Exonerate himself. Exactly. And to uh, talk about his achievements, you know, he was very conscious that his achievements were overshadowed by the Watergate scandal. And uh, he felt that was terribly unfair. And he wanted the chance to be able to talk to and explain uh, to people about what his great achievements were. And uh, he, I think he felt cocky enough to think that he could explain away Watergate and handle that. He, uh, I think, got a surprise out of uh, Frost uh, because Frost really did pin him to the floor. And as it worked out for Frost, uh, that uh, the first few interviews were so went so much Nixon's way, do you think that Frost sensed that if he got something, that he could still, he could still nail him? Or, or was he not sure? I mean, the play, the, the play is very dramatic in the sense that the advisors were getting really upset after each interview. Right, right. And they were, they were really uh, very worried about the outcome of the, the whole well, enterprise. Well, if we're comparing the real-life events to the events in the play, in real life, um, they had had months and months of research. Um, they already had the information that they needed to... They had the smoking gun? They had oh, okay. the, 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 the stuff before the smoking gun. Okay. That you know the that where when Frost comes in in the play when Frost comes in and he sort of rattles off all these different um, quotes that he's picked out from the tapes, 
Um, they had that for a while. Um, and Morgan has sort of condensed, uh, condensed that idea and made it seem a little bit more of a well, surprise. Why didn't he attack him more after the opening question? I mean, he went for the opening question that his advisors said, nail him right off the bat. And then, of course, Nixon being the pro, the smooth guy was, and Terry just handling that so Terry, you were just so beautiful. You're just, Isn't he good? Yeah, it was just he, like it was like like a gunshot that that went over your head, and you didn't even flinch, and just kept right on rolling. Yeah. It's it's an amazing thing, and this goes back to uh, your question earlier of working with Terry, um, watching Terry sort of unfold is uh, is a, a beautiful thing every single it really night. Was, it's yeah. it's been amazing. He he, um, he wipes the floor with me every day. <laughs> Frost wins in the end, but Terry Hamilton wins uh, in, in this production for sure. Um, but going back to uh, uh, why didn't he press further? Frost's technique is as an interviewer is to he's very relaxed. He really he's really interested in the interview. He he's really yeah. Interested he always came off that story. way, even even when he's pop rock people or British prime ministers or whatever. He's yeah. yeah. He, he, and I think that's what made him successful was that he engaged his, um, you know, his subjects in such a way that they felt very comfortable to talk about whatever, you know, whatever questions he posed. And I think he took that same approach with Nixon. When you watch the actual interviews, it's very, a very relaxed, very casual atmosphere. Um, but ultimately, uh, there's information that he's, you know, trying to get. Yeah. And Nixon is absolutely, he's sort of gliding through some of this stuff and he's succeeding in um, talking about his own accomplishments and things like that. So I think that as the taping went on, um, and Frost has said, they taped for 28 and a quarter hours. And Frost has said that he could have sat there for another 28 and a quarter hours. He was fascinated by what Nixon had to say. Um, it was amazingly glib. And, and and you wonder, and Terry, in your research, did Nixon prepare these answers or were they just from a lifetime no, he, of doing interviews? Uh, he had no idea what the answers or what the questions were going to be. Okay. He had no control over editing. Uh, he was basically he was basically winging it wow. right from the beginning. But he was the president of the United States uh, and. Nixon was no dummy. He yeah, was a right. very smart and savvy man. Uh, and he really felt he could handle it. And he did for quite a bit of the, of the interviews. You know, the interviews were broken down in four different, four different categories. And Watergate was only one of them. Um, he talked about, you know, foreign policy. And he talked about uh, domestic affairs and so on. And he was very confident in those areas. Um, it was and the Watergate had, and problem. He, and he had legitimate... Uh, claims to fame for those. Yeah. Very much yeah. so. You know, I mean, some of the things that he did, uh, particularly in that time, were huge. Yeah. Opening the doors to China, that was huge. Yes, it was. Um, uh, uh, trying to um, come to some sort of understanding, the SALT the treaty with the, with the Soviet Union, uh, uh, deploying detente and so on and so forth. And, you know, the, the thing that I really uh, found fascinating and really thought about more uh, now than I ever had before was how difficult that must have been. I mean, he did inherit the Vietnam War. And when he inherited it, it was already a mess. Yeah. Uh, it broke. Yeah, he floundered Johnson. around and did a few. But sure, I mean, but you ultimately, could, you could he had the right idea. You could, do, you could yeah. definitely uh, fault him from the way he handled it. But I mean, I don't know if anybody at that time could have handled uh, it, 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 it. There's so many strings attached yeah. to that conflict. 
right now. Exactly. Yeah. It's very prevalent right now. Yeah. And, and yeah. Obama's kind of caught into a. Yeah. It, and and people are ready to pounce on him and criticize well, him. And they don't realize the, the real prize in, in Islamabad is has 85 nuclear weapons that if the nutsoles ever got a hold of them, well, that's his, that's the real problem. Yeah. Well, you know, and also he, he made a very good point, I thought, uh, you know, the whole anti-war movement, which I was a part of at that time. Yeah. So um, was, you know, get out, get out, get out. But here we had a responsibility to our allies. And you, how can you just uh, pull out and abandon them? And he said the whole world was watching. Future allies were watching. How was he going to handle this? It was very difficult. And North Vietnam at the time, were they were being very arrogant at, at the Paris peace talks. They, they said, uh, we want you out. And on the way out, hand over South Vietnam to us. Uh, they would not negotiate um, uh, in any reasonable way at all and would walk away from the table. Now, his now Nixon's strategy was to bomb them back to the table, yeah. uh, which is exactly what he did. Uh, and that's horrific when you think about it, you know. But yeah. I, I think that was the only way he knew how to, how to grab their attention. So learning all of that stuff, thinking about it more, and, and, and not necessarily agreeing with it, but certainly appreciating the position that he was in and uh, some of the great achievements that he did. I mean, his whole political life was, uh, was amazing. And, and then after he lost the um, governorship in uh, California— that was it. They thought he was dead. And the guy comes back, rises yeah. out of the ashes again and becomes president. You know, it was amazing, an amazing career, an amazing man. Yeah. Um, well, you certainly captured him. And, and let's talk about, uh, Andrew, tell us about some of the players, uh, because Terry only has the uh, David Parks, the, who, who is kind of a combination. He, he reminded me of Ollie North. That's Jack Brennan, yeah, who Jack was his, uh, his chief of staff after he uh, after he left office. And he was a military man. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, in the. Uh, he was a marine. He was a marine. And they became very close friends. They golfed together. They were very very close. Yeah. But your your entourage, you besides <laughs> the the young lady and the parties, and, and Nixon wanted to hear about all the parties too. Even though, and that, and I want to get into that. That the the key part of the of the play and and we're not giving anything away that this is not a mystery people know the story Th this play is how you guys present it but uh nixon never felt uh part of the establishment and that's that scene uh tell us your reaction to that was that true was did nixon make a call you're talking about the, the, yeah. the phone call. Yeah. Well, he was known. No, actually, th that particular call is fictional. He was known to uh, sometimes lock himself in the old executive office uh, with a drink uh, and a phone and uh, one of his favorite pieces of music playing and call people late at night. Uh, uh, Kissinger was the uh, <laughs> subject of many of those calls. Yeah, so they was took, it, that was mentioned even in that uh, in the in the play. Yeah. In the so they, Nixon, they, yeah. they took that premise and uh put it in this play uh, uh that nixon would be calling late at night to uh to was, rant or psych out or but it was to, a magnificent scene that you played that it's a great scene yeah, yeah. because it's a you, very famous scene now, yeah actually. you 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 poured your heart out and and we just knew that that uh subconsciously you wanted to be nailed <laughs> you want you wanted to finally uh confess and to be accepted by the eastern establishment right right and that i think is true uh yeah. he was very bitter about uh, the ivy league establishment the elitists and so on who uh, 
who uh, he felt always looked down on him. Well, remember when he graduated from Duke Law School, almost everyone in his class got a job in New York, and nobody he couldn't get a job. He had to go back to California. Yeah, he yeah. did. Went back to a little law firm back in California. And then that's when he was approached by the local um, uh, government there to run for... Uh, uh, for, for, for Congress. Yeah, for the first And time. then that started his whole career right there. So, Andrew, back to you now. The entourage. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I got curious. You have this, this, this group of advisors and the girlfriend mm-hmm. that, that shaped the show. How much do you think Frost really listened to them? Or, or uh, Because with that late-night phone call, based on the dramatic situation presented in the play, uh, when, when that call went, did you think you had him? Uh, when the phone call arrives, um, Frost has just found out that he the Australia show has been canceled. Yeah. The London show will most likely be canceled uh, because he's spending too much time in California with Richard Nixon. So the stakes are all on this last couple it, interviews. It's about the lowest that he gets. Everything is on. Is he knows from the beginning that this is going to be a major career game changer if he can pull it off um and in the play you know morgan has set it up so beautifully in the sense that frost gets a phone call from australia saying your show's canceled and then right after it he gets a call from a drunk richard nixon um and i think that at that point it's it's a really crucial uh turning point in the play uh where Frost has to, he listens to this rant, to this, you know, to the Nixon sort of going on and on about the, the, the elite and, and being looked down upon and realizes that he has everything to lose at this moment if he doesn't step up his game. And I think, and, and then of course Watergate happens is the very next scene. The Watergate interview. But at the end of the scene, when the, when, when Terry hangs the phone up. Yeah. You give that you give that gesture first a little bit of fear, and then you give that gesture of confidence. Yeah, that's when I knew. Yeah, you were gonna. Yeah, it's a, you were gonna win. You know, what I mean, you gave that. Uh, uh, Terry gives Nixon this this thing about get me out of the pain, where he almost says get me. He comes close. Yeah. Yeah. He. Re- I think Frost recognizes at that moment that it's do or die, yeah. and uh, somebody's gonna die. <laughs> Well, but and, his confidence uh, comes out because I see you, you know, I see the, the Nixon character going from this confident, you know, ex-president, this very professional guy just eating up this, this talk show host guy. You could see him slipping away and we could see you getting stronger. Yeah. It, it was an amazing dynamic that, that you see on stage. It's a, it's a fun, it's fun to play too. Uh, it's fun, you know, to, and to make that Lou Conti, you got to tell me about working for Lou. I mean, Lou is in my book, is is one of the best directors. Around. He's terrific. Um, this is, I think, I know my fourth show, at least your second with him. Uh, Lou and I, the first thing I did with Lou was, was Pravda. Uh, then I did General from America, uh, Copenhagen, mm-hmm. and now this. He's uh, a very interesting guy in that he is... Um, uh, extremely smart and a, a huge uh, historian. He loves history. Yeah, which, and he's and it, he's, some of his best work are these real historical. Yeah, because yeah, he's yeah. really in his element there. I think um, he uh, prods you 
in a way that is very un- un- very unobtrusive. Uh, he will say a word or two, and a light bulb will go off in an actor's head. Um, he's very um, gentle with his actors, but insistent with his actors. And there's something about the chemistry between Lou and me. He just brings out the best in me somehow. I don't know. I couldn't tell you how he does it. He's so quiet it's about it. It's the magic it. of directing, huh? I guess it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He uh, he really. Well, Andrew, how Andrew, how 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 is he to work? With? I like working with Lou because um, I can really push his buttons. <laughs> oh, I'm really really good at pushing his buttons and. Um, and he always he always puts up a fist and makes a scowling face, but you know that there is respect there, but you know for the work that's being done between the two of us. And when I say pushes buttons, I, I don't mean in any sort of malicious way. Um, but but that's what I like about working with him too is that it can be he can be incredibly focused and incredibly you know um, serious about the work, and yet at the same time he has a lightheartedness that that permeates the room so that you never feel like you're being stifled in any way. Um, and he really does let you play and be free. Well, I've noticed all, all the actors, and you got a, such a strong ensemble. Everybody, you could tell, was just into their game and nobody was holding back. This has yeah. been such a great group of people to work with. And from day one, before day one, I think when the casting notices went out, um, my phone was ringing off the hook. Everybody was calling each other, congratulating each other. Um, and from that very first rehearsal, I everybody was invested in making this show I get as the feeling powerful and successful You guys really wanted these roles. How could you not? <laughs> um, well, some actors get you know get afraid. They they, yeah. they think they're over their head in a role. Yeah, yeah. I, I when I when Pardon? I first yeah Terry. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I, I the bi- one of the, the one of the biggest obstacles was to convince myself that I could do it. I almost didn't audition for it because I wasn't sure I had a Nixon in me, and I was afraid of making an ass out of myself. It's a tough so, role to do both of them. It is, and yeah. it's scary. And and you know, I mean, it's so. Uh, uh, I end. What I did was I called a bunch of casting directors in town, uh, uh, and asked them, would. If you were casting Frost Nixon, would you even think of me as Nixon? And I got a, a, a mostly resounding yes and a lot of go for it. Uh, so uh, I locked myself in my bedroom upstairs and, and tried to, to act like <laughs> Nixon, you know, uh, and, uh, and it worked out. But it was a very scary thing. I remember uh, coming to the, my first audition and seeing Terry Hamilton sweating profusely like Richard Nixon would have been sweating profusely. Uh, Like I said, I've known Terry for years. I've worked with him many, many times. I've never seen him quite as worked up as he was for that. Well, what about yourself? Did did you specifically audition for for the role or were you just like at a general, you know, Uh, because there's other characters in the show. I was called in to read for the role. Um, I also read for Jim Reston. Okay. Um, And, uh, but... I kind of knew right off the bat that I was. I felt better about Frost. I felt Frost fit with me more, and I think. Well, you have the look. You 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 know. There's a there's a uh, a look there. Okay, yeah, I'll that take helps. that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take that, that. helps. Um, and the accent you do you do the English accent marvelously. Well, thank you. I, I um, enjoy doing them, and Timeline gives me plenty of opportunities <laughs> to do that. So um, the the role of Frost when I first found out the 
the when I first found out that Timeline was going to do this play, I thought to myself, well, they're going to do this play and they've already got who they want to do it. I didn't see any reason why they would pick this play when you clearly need two very strong, dependable actors to play these roles. Um, I thought for sure they already had some people lined up. You know, I hear a lot of actors say that about a lot of shows. and then, Is that true? Yeah, yeah, but generally, no. We have such a great acting pool that an awful lot of artistic directors have told me, yeah. no, I have some people in mind, but they might not be available. I literally go through the audition, and you never know what, what pops yeah. up. Yeah. I mean, I, I asked Lou at one point, you know, how many people did you see for this? And he said he saw a lot. Um, I don't, he wouldn't give me a number, and I never actually saw anybody else. So as far as I know, you know, it was just me. But, <laughs> you know, I, I just wanted to go in and and do the best that I could. Did you have any apprehensions about playing Frost? No. Good. And I say that very modestly. Yeah, in, he did. Only the in the body sense, language was modest, folks. Only, <laughs> only in the sense that from the minute I started working on uh, auditioning um, and eventually getting into rehearsal, I could hear his voice, I could sense his physicality, and I understood his drive so you already had him internalized yeah i'm a very ambitious person too and part of you know tackling a role like this is the idea of like do i have what it takes to make this happen and i think it's a personal challenge yeah Yeah, it's a personal challenge and it's i think that's exactly what frost is going through you know throughout the course of the play do i have what it takes to pull this off and um i don't know a single actor who wouldn't want that kind of challenge well, if, if you really want to be a professional actor, you got to go for these tough roles. Yeah, um, how how is it? How are the audiences reacting to this show? Um, it's been great. Um, a majority of I think our audiences uh, remember quite vividly uh, Richard Nixon and David Frost, and a lot of them remember these interviews. Um, so it's a real rush for them to, to come back and see this. Uh, it's written sort of a, a, as a suspense in a way. Uh, 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 yes, it is for younger people. I talked to right. some people in their like late twenties that, that only knew a little bit about this. Right. This could have been the 1800s for them. Right. Uh, they they found it as a mystery. They weren't sure what was going to happen. Right. Which is beautiful. Yeah. And the way you guys developed it, the, the arc of the of the right. drama, it, it worked. And well. I also love the humor in the play. There's a lot of great humor in the play. And uh, the, the, quite frankly, the some of the fun for me is playing Nixon in those private moments where he is. He may be unintentionally funny, but he's there's a lot of the, he, there's a lot of great humor in there, yeah. and to also there was a charm about him, and to play that charm, and I think people pick up on that, and they love the humor, and they love the drama. It's a great entertainment, and people are really responding well to it. Well, we're almost at the end of this, and this you guys have been terrific. Uh, Andrew, give us a little commercial for the show. Timeline Theater. What what days you play? We'll let you do the commercial. Well, you're the. You're, Should you're I do the it as David guy. Frost? You can do it every way you want. Timeline Theater's production of Frost Nixon is running currently through October 10th, 2010. It runs Wednesdays through Sundays, six performances a week. It's a great laugh. It's a real fun night in the theater, and, uh, and uh, we'd love to have you come out. So please, get your tickets now. Uh, shows are selling out rapidly. I checked the website earlier today, and um, really, really amazing how quickly those tickets have sold in just under one week. So please, please, get your tickets now.
Thank you, David. Okay. And and thank you. No, I no 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 no. You want to see Nixon? You got to pay. You got to buy a ticket. Good. Good. Very good. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. This is this is this has been wonderful, and and timeline is off to a great start. And you know. I got a feeling there could be some trophies in this thing for you guys. That's just a gut feeling. It's early in the year, but you never know. They'll they'll, they'll forget about they'll forget about us. Don't worry. No, yeah, I don't think so. I is it so. is it cheesy for me to say that the prize is just being on stage with Terry? Oh, uh, that's pretty cheesy. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Thank thanks you. and folks, thanks for listening. And remember, go see a play this week. <laughs>